Hello everyone and welcome to this B2B Marketing Podcast. Um, my name is Dave Rowlands, I'm the editor at B2B Marketing and I'm joined today by Gary Hurry, who is International Marketing Director at IRI. So Gary, thank you for joining me today. Before we begin, can you please just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of context around who IRI are and what your role is? Sure. Hello, David, and, and hello everyone on the podcast. Um, I'm Gary. I joined IRI just over five months ago now to, to lead marketing across all of our international markets. So that's across EMEA and APAC. Um, so geographically, culturally, economically, and many other levels, really wide and, and interesting spread. And I think you asked me to give a bit of information about who IRI is, David. So it's probably one of those brands or organizations that you think you might have heard of, but not really sure. And um I think, to be honest, even when I first got approached myself about the role, there was some frantic Googling going on. But when you do that, what you discover is a really large, global, big scale organization that actually does some really clever and interesting things. So fundamentally, we may be known as a market measurement company or or a big data company. Um, But the reality is we're, we're so much more than that. So IRI is a global leader in in technology, big data and insights. And we work for the world's largest and best known FMCG, retail and media brands. So if you could think of any well-known brand in any market, I'd say there's probably a 70% chance that we're working with them. So essentially, we're working with, as I say, big brands in the consumer market, retailers, media organisations, and essentially, we're we're an insight business at heart, um, but increasingly our you know our business is around predictive analytics, modelling, and really helping those brands to optimise their strategy across distribution, pricing, new product development, promotion, and a whole range of, of business critical decisions. So although we may not be you know one of the the, the few brands that trip straight off the tongue in in the B two B world. Um, you know, we're certainly a large global organization and a really trusted partner within, you know, what are undoubtedly some of the biggest consumer businesses on the planet. Um, and having joined five months ago, I still haven't set a foot in an office. So it's been quite a <clears throat> quite a surreal experience, but but a good one um, in really getting to grips with, you know, what for me is, is a really new and impressive organization. Um, and prior to joining IRI, um, I was running marketing for Thomson Reuters uh, across Europe. Uh, and before that, probably have a career of two halves. So probably the first half spent in, in B2C, so working for brands like Zurich and Lloyd's TSB, where I was running large scale customer acquisition, advertising and, and, and media programs. So I think I've probably got now pushing on for 10 years in B2B. Um, <clears throat> but I like to think I've got quite a nice balance of, of understanding those consumer markets and strategies, but also how that can be leveraged across the B2B space. Oh, thank you very much. And yeah, I can certainly um, sympathise. I, I joined the company myself right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I've only actually been in the office myself probably about <laughs> 10 times over the yeah. space of a year and a half. So 
yeah we, we should be back in september so um yeah i think things will shift then um, i even had of course all my interviews on mm. zoom and, and teams calls with uh, nine of them by the way um so what what a crazy 18 months as i know you're going to come on to talk about um, yeah but yeah it's a it's a great business um it's a business that has real growth potential, as I'll talk about, and particularly real growth potential that's related to marketing. Um, so I'm really, really, really excited to be here. Yeah, nine interviews. It sounds like maybe they weren't quite sure, Gary. That's, uh, Undoubtedly. <laughs> well, I felt like I should have been on the payroll after stage five. But, uh, you know, I guess they hopefully made the right call in the end. I'm sure they have. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as we've just sort of alluded to, really, it's been quite a weird 18 months for the world let's say um and transformation has been very much sort of the word of the day and um you know what, what sort of transformation have you seen when it comes to your target markets and, and buyer personas if at all well an incredible one i think is the is the easy answer um so as i mentioned at the at the outset you know we're working with big brands retailers and media companies ar- around the world and so for Pretty much all of our customers, they, they saw their business model pretty much turned upside down, you know, obviously at, at the start of the pandemic. And as we all know, as consumers ourselves, we saw the perhaps the biggest shifts in behavior in a lifetime. Um, what we saw, you know, some sectors were, were wiped out overnight, whereas others found themselves being in unprecedented growth trajectory. And it, I think it was the speed of the change. Um, and, and it's very easy to be oversimplistic because it's obviously it's a you know it's a very complex world we live in. But just on a personal level, if you think about things like home baking and and you know our in-home alcohol consumption, how that just rocketed um, in lockdown. But on the flip side, we also then saw really big shifts in things like health and beauty, ready meals, grab and go lunches, and, and many others that, as, as I mentioned, were almost you know, wiped out overnight. So you had this really interesting dichotomy of some brands suddenly, as I say, seeing this incredible growth from almost from nowhere and others almost falling to zero in such a quick time frame. Um, so I can't imagine we'll ever see that happen again. I certainly hope not. Um, so we've never experienced a level of transformation in, in our, our customers and clients as we've seen over the last 18 months. And if you just take away, you know, those big buying shifts that, that I talked about, um, we've also got things like, you know, the rise in online shopping, the evolution of retailers like Audi and Lidl. Um, we know that consumers are now really driving and, and looking to, to buy from brands that show sustainability and real ethical credentials. Um, plus, as consumers, we've now got a really big focus on on health and well-being. So those are the big kind of enduring trends, which which if you then overlay, you know, the, the rapid shift that we saw from from the pandemic and lockdown. I can't imagine you'd ever see that level of, of change in, in, you know, in the world markets ever again. So it's pretty safe to say that nearly every consumer brand you know, almost on the planet, but certainly the ones we're working with have a really big element of, of market disruption, um, sometimes positively, sometimes in, in a challenging way. And therefore, transformation is very much on, on the agenda. Um, and I guess what this r- really means for us is that 
the world probably needs answers, you know, like never before. And um, for us, it's not just about looking back and, you know, looking at, at trends and, and consumer insights from the last quarter. But the re- really important part and the trend that we're seeing a lot of is brands that are really trying to forecast and shape the future with, with more confidence. Um, and we, I know we're going to, again, touch upon this a bit later on. And I think this is where the, the area of big data and, and analytics is now really coming of age to be about what can it tell us about the future? How can it de-risk our strategies and give us, I guess, a signpost into the best ne- next best actions for our brand? Um, the, the great upside, I guess, for IRI is that we've never been more of a strategic partner with our clients. So whereas historically we may have been you know, a, a, an insight or, or a data provider, um, Insight is now right at the forefront of the big C-suite conversations, um, and we're finding ourselves increasingly around those tables, helping these big global brands define and, and, and mobilize their strategy for the for the next period. So, for us, it's been both a really big um, uplift in, in commercial performance. Um, we've been able to make real inroads into that C-suite so that our brand is perceived in a very different way than maybe it was 18 months ago, Um, but all driven by, as I mentioned, this very rapid um, change in behaviour, lots of underlying trends that have necessitated, you know, I think a a generational level of of transformation. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair to say. I think the transformation was stark and rapid as you say um but how about you know when it comes to your messaging and engagement in particular what sort of change have you seen here yeah so i guess from that you mean how we position ourselves and how how we go to market essentially yeah right david yeah yeah so i think at the start of the pandemic and i can't take any credit for this obviously i was still in my interview journey probably um IRI made a really big decision that it would invest a lot of energy and, and, and dollars, to be fair, into thought leadership, um, you know, really helping the world understand and navigate through this period of rapid change. So arguably no other business on the planet had access to the level of consumer insight and, and behavioral data that, that IRI had. Um, so we were actually the first insight business to have a dedicated COVID resource centre. Um, and within that, we 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 publish the most up to date trends, forecasts, and consumer insights from all across our markets. So effectively, you could argue that we became a real window into the world, um, and we were able to to show both our clients and and the media and, and other stakeholders what the world was was really doing, you know, in a behavioural sense. Um, and that was something that. I think really elevated us to be a brand leader, you know, in that very uncertain time. Um, and much of what I've described there would ordinarily that would have been behind some sort of commercial paywall. Um, but again, we made the decision to to bring that to the to the forefront. Um, and I guess really give something back to the world um, and use our position and strength to you know really help organizations consumers and the media to understand what was what was going on um and that really paid off for us you know we saw 
incredible media share of voice. I've already mentioned our, our brand reputation, you know, and that really has, has soared to new heights. So that was primarily how we engage with the world and, and the markets. Um, and I think as we look now to the next period, um, still got a long way to go, I think, until you know, normality as we knew it returns. Um, and across our markets, you know, we've, we've still got varying degrees of, of lockdown and, and, and restrictions. But we're now really taking the time to think about our brand positioning and our brand promise looking forward. Um, and fundamentally, we really don't see ourselves as a big data company, um, but one with a much stronger purpose, a purpose to really help brands that are in their pursuit of potential. Um, and within that, we know that <clears throat> technology and data will always be at the core of what we do. But our messaging and engagement is is really evolving. And I've touched upon this before, but to be known as a valued and genuine strategic partner and, and not a provider of data solutions. And I think that's a really big, really big difference. And it's something that I feel that we, we've earned the right to now position ourselves as. So what you'll start to see um, across the coming months is a much more emotionally driven brand strategy, um, which is something I'm, I'm really passionate about, actually, within B2B, um, and a brand promise that really starts to, to play more to the hopes, fears, dreams, and ambitions of the companies that we serve. Um, I'm a great believer that the brands that resonate on that level are the ones that, that are successful. Um, and I know there's a really huge study a few years back looking at how B2B is a much more emotionally driven purchase than B2C, which I remember at the time raised a lot of eyebrows. But I really feel that it holds true. Um, so what you're going to see from us is, as I say, a much more humanly relevant, emotionally driven brand proposition and, and positioning um, that gives us that opportunity to, to grow into our, our next period. Okay, fantastic. So it sounds like you've got um, plenty to crack on with there. Um, but what would you say that IRI's biggest challenge is over the next 12 months? And how do you actually intend to overcome this? Yeah, one of our, one of our key business goals or, or, or challenges really is how do we grow across our international markets? So the markets that I, that I mentioned at the outset, really, so across EMEA, um, and, and APAC. So in, in total, there's around 10 different individual country markets within that. So as a business, you know, we, we've got a very strong heritage in the US. Um, we're very well placed there. We have incredible market share, um, but we don't quite have that across our international markets. So it's it's all upside. You know, we've got, <clears throat> we've got a real opportunity over the next two to three years to drive growth. Um, and particularly as we have such a great story to tell, you know, ultimately we've got, I think, an incredible proposition that perhaps the, not all of the world knows about. Um, so for me, as the marketing leader across international, I would say my biggest challenge is to really show the business how marketing can make a significant impact in the broader commercial goals of, of driving growth. Um, and we've talked a little bit about, about brand. Um, one of our challenges in the markets that we operate is we've almost outgrown what we're known for. 
So I've kind of touched upon this already, but we're probably known as for big data, predictive analytics and and insights and and things that connected to that. Our story is actually much richer. So we've made really big investments in in innovation across things like augmented decision making, voice, um, other areas of predictive analytics, visualization, um, all of which are very heavily driven by technology. So as a marketing leader, perhaps my biggest challenge is just telling the story in a way that is compelling and that really resonates um, with our audiences across the globe. Um, and alongside that, to make sure that we continue to drive that traction in, in the C-suite. Um, so it's a good challenge and that it's one that's about growth um, and how marketing can contribute and, and, and drive that growth. Um, and it's one that we're, we're very passionate um, and, and driven on in IRI. Um, and I guess aligned to that, you know, I think for me, marketing always needs to operate on a commercial level. Um, it doesn't always in B2B. Um, and so for me, a big challenge is to make sure that we can continue to show the organization how marketing is driving commercial value. Um, and that's always a complex issue, particularly in an organization like us that has really long sales cycles and, and multi-touch points. But that's something that, again, is you know an area that I'm really passionate about is how marketing can, can drive business growth and, and real commercial returns. So yeah, quite, a, quite a big agenda over the, over the coming year. <laughs> Plenty to get your teeth into. Um, yeah, no, that's fascinating you say that. I mean, we actually, um, within Propolis, which, as you know, is our um, exclusive community platform for marketers to come together, share problems and solutions, we're actually doing a, um, a report on strategy and evolution um, over the past sort of 18 months in marketing. And one thing that's come up a lot is that marketing is playing just an increasingly important role in driving business growth. I mean, I know where everyone knows it's not the colouring in department cliche that it sure. was yeah. 20 years ago or whatever but it seems like the last year has really accelerated um marketing's role in that is that something you've seen and a real acceleration uh, for, for sure year? yeah i mean as i mentioned at the outset you know half of my career was spent in b2c where it was so much easier to draw that causal link between marketing performance and and, and commercial outcomes um where it, you know it's undoubtedly tougher in b2b but i don't know that any marketing team or function within the sector isn't giving this so much love and attention because it's just the license to operate firstly. And secondly, I think that's our job to drive growth and all the things we might talk about, you know, brand campaigns, marketing technology, they're all just enablers really for, for me that for marketing to, to, to fuel the, the company growth. Um, and, there are often times where we intuitively know that's the case. I think we're coming into an era now where we need to absolutely know that's the case. So any marketer can stand in front of a CFO or an MD and confidently show the value contribution. Um, and these things for me are all essential for you know securing future budget, budgets and investments, um, but also just the cr- credibility and, and professional pride within marketing. Absolutely. 
And um, just going back to Propolis, um, which, as I mentioned to our to our audience, yeah. um, it's an exclusive community which you can join and you can talk with your peers and, and uh, try and overcome some of your problems. Yeah, obviously, you recently joined Propolis. Are there any sort of particular content topics you're interested in at R? Sorry, at IRI. Yeah, it's not easy to say either. Is it? <laughs> it's not. Not at speed. <laughs> no. It's a bit like red lorry, yellow lorry. I know. Well, we'll see. Um, so. I think firstly, it's worth saying you know, I'm a really long, I guess a long time supporter of B2B marketing. Um, so for me, Propolis was was a really easy decision. Um, and I'm very passionate about people development. Um, so for me, having a, a class leading, always on resource that was 100% dedicated to B2B was a, was a really natural progression. Um, it's been really enthusiastically received by the team. Um I think we've been live now for two weeks. Um, so, you know, all, all good so far. Um, the bits that I think will be relevant will, will really vary dependent on, on the market. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we operate across very diverse markets on, on a number of levels. Um, so I think elements of the content within Propolis will be relevant everywhere, um, but not in, in, you know, in, in all places. Um, so for me, it's a real, real positive that Propolis allows the team to create that tailored plan and you know development plans, um, and really focus on the areas that are most important to a, to a particular market or in or individual. Um, so for me, it's that configurability, the hive structure um, is is one of the real strong selling points um, for Propolis, um, and you know I'm, I'm really enthusiastic to see. How embedded we can make it within the the day to day role of, of our marketers, um, and and really get get the full the full value. Um, but so far, um, I've had a I've had a few catch ups this week. Um, the team are you know really positive. They've actually been really surprised by the depth um, of of Propolis and and exactly how much content and, and possibilities it offers them. Um, so that's a, 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 a really good start. Um, and again, for me, I don't think organizations invest enough in marketers' development. And my, my experience tells me that that's much more prevalent in B2B as well. So to have this community resource, um, best practice guidance and, and everything that comes with, with Propolis is really essential for you know, a modern B2B marketer. Um, and just finally, out, outside of, you know, the, the content and, and the core aspects, one of the big things I've already seen is the, the excitement that the team has on really starting to get more connected with the big trends, issues and topics that are shaping the B2B landscape. Um, you know, we all operate so fast, 100 miles an hour, sometimes People are a bit head down and, and really task focused. And just taking that opportunity to kind of hit the pause button, bring your head up and, and start to look at what else is going on in the world that we don't even know about. What, you know, what, what are other brands doing for these business challenges that we could maybe leverage, adapt or learn from? That part already has, has been invaluable. Um, and I was really pleased that, we came on board just in time for the whole team to attend Ignite. And um, it was great. I think it was the second presentation was around TikTok. 
you know, and how can we use how um, I think it was Sage, wasn't it, that, you know, used TikTok um, in, in a B2B sense. That caused a really great debate across the team, you know, like, and just get those conversations started and, and really see the art of the possible, I think, is what makes Propolis potentially so valuable for us. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your um for You your pay me words. for that bit, by the way. Oh, yeah, don't, don't worry. Okay, <laughs> your, great. Your, your check's in the post. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but it's, it's funny because you mentioned conversation there, and I think that's that's kind of a key part. I mean, you know, with any community, you can you can get 100 people in a room but if everyone's sitting there with a head down, not saying anything, you can't sure. really call it a community. Um, so there's plenty within Propolis that you're, uh, you're, you're personally interested in, in reading and learning about. But what do you think IRI's marketing team can also offer the community? Yeah, I think firstly, at a fundamental level, you know, it's a really curious, collaborative team of, you know, really passionate individuals um, and, and who are part of a, of a team that shares the same values. So, I think you'll find them to be really active and really throwing themselves into the opportunity for, first off. Um, I was having a little think about this earlier on, and I, and I wonder whether there's a really obvious element that clearly we have this um, heritage and ability to look at the, the most up-to-the-minute consumer trends. And I know that Propolis is obviously aimed at the B2B world, but I just wonder whether there's an opportunity for us down the track to start to maybe use some of your platforms just to share with your membership what's going on in the B2C space. You know, what are the big categories that are moving? What are the big markets that we're seeing, you know, real shifts in or, or, or real growth in? A, because I think it's probably quite interesting just to see what's going on in the consumer world as well. But also it's probably very likely that a lot of your members will be operating in the B2B to C space. So again, you know, knowing more about the trends and issues that are shaping the end consumer probably will affect people within the B2B world that are in the supply chain somehow. Um, so that's maybe a conversation to pick up another day, but that was one that instantly sprung to mind. You know, how can we perhaps bring a, a, you know, a bit of a B2C flavour just for background and for interest into your, into your community. Um, and the second one, you know, we've got a very international perspective and, and footprint, and I know that Propolis is, is international. Um, so I wonder whether we could start to bring that dimension too um, into the community. Um, so, you know, really enabling the members to start perhaps understand more about the marketing strategies, challenges and, and techniques from other markets, either for inspiration or, or benchmarking purposes. So those were those were just a couple of specific things that I think we could certainly pick up a conversation on. And if you felt and maybe your members felt there was some value to, we'd be delighted to um, to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely value in there, like you say. I mean, I think sometimes, I mean, it's, it's unsurprising given that we are literally called B2B marketing, but yeah. we can sometimes only focus so inwardly and we perhaps don't look at, you know, the, the B2C side of things. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, but, I just think it's, it's always good to, I think, to be varied and, and to be, have that broader view of the world. Um, plus, as I mentioned, I think many of us will be involved in a supply chain that will ultimately, you know, end up in a consumer shopping basket in, in some capacity. Um, so anyway, that, that's uh, 
I guess, uh, an offer that we could explore down the track. Yeah, well, I'm sure many of our um, our Propolis listeners will be um, keen to keen to get a conversation going with you about that. Um, so back to back to IRI um, and you know what you guys do. You're obviously experts in predictive analytics. So how do you sort of see this evolving over the next few years? I know that you know the death of third party cookies is, is on the horizon, and do you think maybe that might make um, such technologies as predictive analytics even more important? Yeah, I'll come back to the, the cookie part, if I may. Um, I think things like predictive analytics, it's, it's one of those phrases that perhaps creates a certain perception in, in, in people's minds. Um, I think it's worth remembering that it's ultimately just a technique for making better decisions, you know, and just trying to take some of the, the risk and uncertainty away by, you know, finding trends and patterns that can then help drive strategy moving forward. Um, you know, and I think, again, thinking of the world that we operate in today, you know, we're, we're just awash with data. Um, and so I can only see that becoming a much more mainstream part of, of business and, and marketing strategy. Um, but I think where the real shifts are, you know, are, are coming and, and are, you could argue already here is that movement from looking backwards um, and being able to translate that into forward looking insights. And for me, that's the real art. You know, it's great to know how you performed in the last quarter at a category level or, or, or various consumer insights. But for me, the real, the real art and the, you know, the real business upsides are taking that perspective in, into the future. And what we're seeing a really big shift at, at the moment is really the kind of democratization of predictive analytics. Um, so again, maybe historically it may have been the preserve of some data science team or, or you know an advanced analytics team, um, but we're really and we have and will continue to invest very heavily in technology so that predictive analytics are going to start to become really accessible across the whole organisation and and not just that chosen few really. Um, and within that, you know, you'll start to see, as I mentioned, new technologies the user experience improving dramatically, where things like visualization and augmented decision-making become mainstream. Um, And effectively, making all of this quicker, more integrated and and easier before. So essentially, where I see predictive analytics evolving is just becoming more mainstream um, and more accessible. And I could see an environment where every marketer would have the answers that they need on their laptop um, in a very simple way to, to visualize, to, to, you know, to understand and to actually make better decisions with. So it's a phrase we use a lot in our industry, but it's this democratization, you know, making these things accessible, simple and actionable by a much broader um, cross section of, of the organization um, I think you, you asked about cookies as, as well, David, within that. Um, it's, it's a topic, as you could imagine, that we speak about a lot, um, both inside the business and also with you know, various marketing partners that we, we work with. Um, and uh, I can certainly say that there are all manner of solutions being worked on. Um, and I fully expect some really smart alternatives to start emerging over the next well, certainly 
I would say the next next six months. So I don't think that the the death of cookies is going to quite be the um, you know that the hideous event that we perhaps thought it might be um, a few months back. Um, and for me, you know, there's always seems to be some road bump. You know, where that we had obviously GDPR not not so long ago. Um, I actually am just about old enough to remember the Millennium Bug. Do you, you probably don't remember that one, do you? Not particularly. When I hear the Millennium no. Bug, it makes Can me you just not say that you do, so I don't feel so bad. Um, <laughs> well, I, was, I would have been six at the time, so yeah. if I'm paying attention to that, then there's something wrong with me. Yeah, that would have been a pretty sad yeah. childhood, wouldn't it? I think at um, six I was more interested in Yeah, so anyways, I guess the point I'm making, there's always something, isn't there? There's always a little road bump that our first instinct is it's just going to change the world as we know it. But then when you actually start to get underneath it, you think, okay, well, we can find another way. New technologies emerge. And I think we'll just emerge from that, you know, in, in probably an even an even stronger way. So I think it's not going to be, you know, the, the the hideous business interruption that we perhaps thought, thought it was. And as I say, I can already see <clears throat> some really smart thinking around this. And, and I, I feel that we'll cope with it just fine. Um, I think what I would also add is that the, the really underlying trend in all this, you know, whether it be cookie directives and um, GDPR or, and whatever else is around the corner, it seems to be that the consumer power is just accelerating. And I think the, the big trend that we all need to be aware of as marketers is we're now at the point where people really understand and are even starting to place an economic value on their data. Um, so that, for me, is the really interesting trend that I'm staying very close to. Um, and I'd be really interested to see how this develops over the coming years. Um, and as I say, undoubtedly, there'll be something else around the corner which we'll, we'll, we'll deal with head on, we'll, we'll come out stronger. Um, but the big shift, as, as I mentioned there, is consumers and, and the markets that we we target <clears throat> really feeling empowered um and perhaps that's where there's a little bit of a of a shift in in focus that we all need to think about over over the next few years fantastic thank you very much and um i think we've got time for just one more question today um so i'll get straight into it i won't I won't muck around um you know big data is obviously another big field that um iri are experts in and I think sometimes it can sound very grand and, and intimidating for some marketing teams. But, you know, why do you think marketers should be really paying attention to this topic and, and trying to learn more? What sort of, you know, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, sure. I think firstly, you could argue that pretty much all data is, is big data um, these days. You know, and I think if you think back to the kind of origins of the term, it's really any data that you kind of, it's impossible for a human to draw a conclusion or, or to navigate effectively through. Um, so for me, all data is fast becoming or already is big data. Um, and within that, I'd say that nearly all marketers and you know certainly a high proportion of um, your B2B community already have experience in some capacity. So it might be they've built a lead scoring model. They're looking at buying intent and propensity. Um, or just planning media. So ironically, I think everybody probably already is working in 
big data. They might just not know it. Um, so I think maybe it's just the phraseology that that's, that sounds intimidating. I guess it often it sounds like something that only the world's biggest organisations or a I don't know a NASA scientist would would do. Um, but in reality, I think everybody is is doing it already. Um, and what's I think really interesting as we as we move forward is that evolution from big data into artificial intelligence, augmented decision making, visualization, um, and those things all being powered by technology, so that the marketer is fully in control. And I know that I've mentioned it a couple of times today already. It's about accessibility, that democratization, and, and just making these things simpler quicker um, and easier so i think that's the next evolution of big data is that it becomes something that everybody in the organization can get behind can understand can leverage and not be frightened of so i think you know watch out for that that kind of next evolution of the profession and i think it's going to really shift um and certainly that that big fear factor um i think will go forever um so in terms of the advice, I'd say, you know, embrace the possibilities. Um, but also, you know, we're all marketers and this is just one part of the mix. So clearly IRI has, you know, a, you know, a, a certain position in the world. Um, but equally, we, we all know that without clear brand positioning, strong proposition, creativity and you know, all the other timeless aspects in the marketing mix you'll never be truly successful so i think it's important to look at data in the context of the overall marketing and, and business strategies and get that balance right um but it's nothing to be frightened of i think that's a, a lovely note to um to end on so <laughs> gary thank you very much for your time um love to have you on again in future and um hopefully we'll see more of you in propolis as well my pleasure thanks david good to thank see you me. very much and uh, to all our listeners um thank you for uh, thank you for tuning in and listening um if you want to hear any more of our podcasts please just head to www.b2bmarketing.net slash podcasts thank you very much bye-bye